0: The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Guyer to the wall.
1: Rays win! Rays win! Rays win! D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The
0: Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field. Continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth
2: interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the line-up, your pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air in the left field. This one's got a chance, turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas with his first big-league hit. It's a home run against Chris Dale.
0: Here's your host, Neil
2: Solons. Welcome to our latest show. Good evening. On deck tonight, Brendan McKay on his rookie season. Jim Morris on the 20 years since the rookie's famous call-up. Brent Honeywell on his setback and comeback effort. Plus more September call-ups on what the call means to them. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Our future guest this week is Brendan McKay. And, Brendan, we certainly appreciate some time. How much fun has this year been for you? And have you pinched yourself at all And kind of thinking where you've been and how quickly you've come?
3: Yeah, I mean, overall this year has been a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun in double-A, AA, triple-A, and then getting to make your major league debut all in one year. Went through a couple rough patches here and there, but I've talked to a lot of guys, and they say that's just part of it. You know, It's going to get better. You're going to have your bad days. You're going to have your good days, and they're going to even out. Hopefully you have a lot more good days than you do bad. And then on top of that, a lot of guys that I've played with, double-A, AA, triple-A, have slowly moved up to some guys are in triple-A that I've gotten to go back and play with when I've got option down. And to see some guys i play with in triple-A, Get to make their major league debut too. It's awesome. I love it, and it's what you live for. You get to see guys that you've been with for a couple years, or even just a couple months, grow with you as well, and get to play together more. Things have moved fast, but what's been your best moment or moment so far? Everything, honestly. It's just been a great year overall. Getting to be up here and be in a ball club, be on a ball club that's right in a race to make a playoff push, and we're playing a lot of good baseball at, at the right time and. It could only get better from here.
2: You're not a person who shows a whole lot of emotion on the mound or even off the field. Has that always been the case or when you were a kid did you have to learn to control it
3: or and who in your family is kind of like that personality wise? I think it comes and goes at times. Definitely when I'm pitching there's a lot less emotion. Um, I try to just stay as even even as I can not try and get too pumped up after a good inning or having a a sticky situation with guys on base and you're trying to not let them score and it ends up, you know, you don't let them score. I try not to get too psyched up about it. So then when you go out back out there, you're still riding that emotion. Things could get out of whack for me. But like, it really just all depends like what kind of mood I'm in. Like if there's a, if you're kind of in that happy mood one day in the clubhouse, you might get a little bit more free and have some fun or have some fun during the game, sitting on the bench with some guys. But overall, I think my dad's kind of the same way, my mom a little bit. But I think it's just I found out who I who I am as a player and what works best for me when I'm on the field, trying to stay in the game and stay in the moment at the time.
2: What have you learned this year, and how do you think it'll help you going forward?
3: Uh, for me, just go have fun. You can't sit back and think, "Oh, you know, I've had so many great outings, or man, this these past couple outings have been so-so or bad." You just move on from it and take the task at hand that's in front of you and attack that versus trying to think about other things or thinking ahead who's been most helpful here
2: in terms of helping you grow and learn because you're i mean as we mentioned this has been a pretty quick meteoric rise
3: yeah Uh, i talked with snell a lot especially first when i came up i was uh locker next to him talked with glass now a lot too i was in i was sandwiched between those two guys banda i talked with him a lot when he was in uh triple a just getting to know him and kind of meshed real quick and in our personalities we got to talk a lot and charlie's talked to me a little bit zanino travis just guys that i've worked with a lot obviously them being catchers and stuff but just other pitchers that i can pick their brains and see what they've gone through and how they can give me any advice to better myself not as a player but also as a person too
2: how are you feeling physically at this point we know you had a very short stint on the injured list and um, I know how important it is for you to want to be on the field all the time.
3: Yeah, physically, you know, it's a long season, so you've got your your body aches, and you may not feel the greatest every day, but for me, I feel as good as I can in September, making a late pu- playoff push. You roll with the punches and do whatever you have to do off the field to prepare yourself for you know when your name's called.
2: Is there anything you've learned already about your body from this year that you're like, okay, I'm going to tweak this for next year, or I want to put on this kind of weight, or I want to change my body in this way is because this is the first time you're pitching in September. It's the first time you're going through a 160 plus game season.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the way my body's held up has been good. Obviously since I've been in the major leagues, I haven't done as much of the two way, two way scheme, but I think overall it's still held up. Well, I've, taking a lot of swings in between starts just to be prepared if uh, there's a pinch hit situation or guys end up, you hate to see it, but somebody gets injured and you need somebody to go in there and fill a spot just to be prepared. So I think overall i felt just as good as I can. I wouldn't change anything. Maybe just focus a little bit more on some minor things to prepare yourself for next year. You mentioned the hitting, and I know how how
2: much you want to do both have you thought and have you talked with the rays at all about the possibility because you didn't get a ton of at-bats this year and it seemed like you got better as you went from moved up from double to triple a about even going and saying hey i'll go to mexico or i'll go to puerto rico and i'll get 150 at-bats or whatever it is and just hit for the winter, just to kind of play some catch-up so you feel you've gotten enough of your at-bats
3: we haven't discussed anything yet for me personally i'd i'd rather take that rest just with how much you do throughout a season and the wear and tear on your body i think for me that rest gives you that time to relax and time to get away from the game and focus on other things so then when you come back in uh december and january start really ramping up for another season you're you're truly clear of everything you're focused and uh, ready to go
2: this road trip you take on the angels Um, will you have the opportunity or is it important for you to have any kind of conversation or exchange with Otani?
3: I know that he's wanted to uh, have a conversation. We've just never been able to make it happen. So I, I would love to do it if it's available and obviously he's willing and um, we have time for it. I'd love to do it just to pick his brain and see what he's about. I've gotten to, I believe when I was in Japan, my sophomore year of college, we played uh, the Japanese team and I'd heard about him. I didn't I had seen like commercials all over the place of him doing uh, something for uh, sports supplement on TV, so I knew the name and the face. But to actually get to talk to him and just see what what he's like and any uh, any advice or anything you can ask him, that'd be great.
2: Is there a big question you would love to ask him? You mentioned just you know to get to know him a little bit. But is there anything in particular you want to know because you're both trying to do something that's very unique in this game?
3: I would probably just ask him how he handles it, what he does with his schedule. I'm not saying that you know you're going to adapt to his schedule. You're you're your own person, and his schedule may work good for him. It may not work good for you. But just to see what he does and how he handles it, and if it can give you any idea of how to alter your schedule to fit you um, in a way that it makes you comfortable and ready for every uh, every fifth or sixth day.
2: Every pitcher has moments where they go through tough times. Do you think it was beneficial to finally have some sort of I don't know if I'd call it struggle. Two starts is not, you know, it's not a month, it's not two months, but to have some stretch where you didn't perform, that'll help you going forward?
3: Yeah, I mean it it sucks for you as a person. You're like, what am I doing wrong? Trying to think back and it just frustrates you as a competitor. But I think it's good to kind of set you back and somebody outside outside of you is seeing something that potentially could be off in your delivery or your mechanics or something that, you know, you sit back and you talk about it and then you get back into it doing some, some drills or just in your bullpens working on it to get it back to where it needs to be, and it, it's beneficial for that way. When you're not
2: playing, because we see someone who's stoic and who's very focused on the mound, what do you like to do and what makes you
3: smile, enjoy yourself, laugh? Uh, I like to play golf uh, as much as I can. It's tough during the season. We don't get many off days. Um, Even when you do get an off day, you're like, "Ah, I want to catch up on sleep, or it's middle of summer, it's 95, 100 degrees outside. You're like, "Ah, golf doesn't sound too fun trying to play in 100-degree weather. But for me, I like just hanging out, watching movies, just relaxing with my dog, uh, Diesel. He's just super crazy and a lot of energy. Other than that, I just relax and have fun just doing random things like a 23-year-old does. What kind of dog? I have a miniature English Bulldog. He's 11 months. He's just, he's like 45, 50 pounds of just pure muscle and beef. He's crazy. And when
2: you're not with, when you're on the road, who's handling uh, Diesel?
3: My girlfriend, she she takes care of him most of the time. Uh, She works um, at a hospital in Tampa. So she works 12-hour shifts from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So... He gets the short end of the stick some days uh, when he gets out for like 20, 30 minutes just to go out, use the restroom, get in there, get some food, and then he's right back in the crate for 12 hours until either I get home or she gets home. But he, he's handled it well, and he enjoys it. He loves when I'm gone for long periods of time and I come back and he doesn't know I'm coming back. He uh, gets real excited when I like, lift up the blanket that's on top of his crate, and he sees me, and I let him out, and he wants to just jump all over me and lick my face.
2: Not a bad thing to have when you come home too. It, your your girlfriend Allison, she played soccer at Louisville. How much does it helped to be with someone who's an athlete, who understands in some stretch what you're going through or when you go through tough times?
3: It's good because she knows that we've been we've been together for almost five years now. So she kind of knows if she's oh she she's not working or she can pay attention to the game and see you know, how I've done. She can kind of decide whether she wants to be real communicative or. Just kind of let me deal with whatever's going on, and which is good because you don't want to have somebody trying to ask you a ton of questions when you're you know, you've had a bad outing or you're upset about something. It kind of eggs you on more to get angry, and you don't want to get angry at a person like that. Do the two of you compete in a lot? Because I know Brandon told me that him
2: and Maddie like mini golf or things of that nature. It's it's pretty uh, they're pretty serious about it. What about you?
3: Yeah, she always. Uh, I think we played mini golf. Last year, when she came down when I was in Port Charlotte, she was like, "Man, I'm gonna beat you or something." She always tries to beat me at stuff, and she does every every now and then. And again, she's a very good athlete, but it's very competitive. She always wants to win, and it's a good mix to have to keep you always on your toes.
2: And you said you like to watch movies now and then. What's uh, what's the kind of stuff you like to watch? And do you have any maybe a Netflix show that you're uh, watching now too?
3: For me, I'll watch any kind of movie i'm really into the fast and furious series so i'm excited i haven't seen the new uh, hobbs and shaw yet i want to see that and then i'm excited for the uh for fast and furious nine i believe it's coming out i'm excited for that other than that i'll watch pretty much any kind of movie just as long as it catches my catches you and gets you in a in a locked in stage at that point of the movie well
2: hopefully you get you can put off a lot of movie watching until the end of the season. If this season is to end the way you want it, what what would be a great finish for you and and for the group?
3: For us, I mean, you obviously want to make it to the postseason and make a run at trying to win a World Series. So that's obviously what you want to have have happen. But I think for the group overall, just I think we're going to focus on September and the task at hand. Whatever happens after that, it's going to get focused on. At that moment, and then just keep moving until your season's over.
2: Enjoy the moments as they come. Thanks for a few minutes on this week in race baseball.
3: Absolutely, thank you, Neil
2: Brendan McKay, with us. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in Rays baseball, and of course, uh, September call ups bring us back to probably one of the more uh, enjoyable and memorable call ups in franchise history, and that is of Jim Morris. Believe it or not, it is 20 years since he made his Major League debut, and he now joins us uh, on the program. Jim, thanks very much for being with us. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, Neil. I appreciate you having me.
2: Does it feel like 20 years to you? Um, And and as you look back, what stands out about that experience the most? Okay,
1: as I look back, what has changed? Nothing's changed as long as I don't look in a mirror. So (laughs) other than that, um, walking into a clubhouse in my home state, in my favorite ballpark, where there is Wade Boggs, Roberto Hernandez, Fred McGriff, and all these different guys. And I was just mesmerized because still, I'm playing again, but I'm a fan and a coach. And so I walk in and, I'm like, there's Wade Boggs. He's just gotten his 3,000 hit a week or two before, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and he's my teammate. Wow. What <laughs> a change in direction from being a teacher to walking into a clubhouse with Major League Baseball players.
2: And. For people who don't, I mean, obviously, I would think a lot of people who've listened to our program have know a little bit about your story, um, and probably many of them saw the movie, if not read your book as well. What was that journey like for you when you got to that moment? What do you remember most about the time you truly did get the call uh, and were told you were going to get that opportunity?
1: Honestly, Neil, I was stunned because I thought, first of all, going to a tryout, 11 years after you quit baseball because you're only throwing 85 or 86 and going to a tryout, finding out you're throwing 98, and three months later you're not grading report cards anymore, you're signing autographs. And then, lo and behold, you're in double-A, then you're in triple-A, and you're watching guys on their way up, on their way down, and guys just trying to hold on. To me, it was a chance at 35 to be a kid again, that kid who wanted to play baseball since he was five. And having the opportunity to go back and not take it for granted, but take it for what it was. And it was just an opportunity to have fun and play the game I love.
2: Do you still talk with any of the players who were part of either that 99 team or the 2000 team that you got to play for a little bit?
1: I talked to several players. Roberto Hernandez is one of my best friends. And, you know, Harold Reynolds with MLB.com. And, and I get to watch Pleasac, who was my roommate the first time around back in the early 80s. And it's just amazing to watch how far baseball has come in that amount of time
2: how closely do you follow the game now and if so what do you like most about the way the game has changed
1: i think what i like most is watching kids have fun and it's it's like when ken griffey jr broke into the game i wanted to watch him all the time because he ran around he wrecked into walls and did everything else but he always had a smile on his face and i think that we get to play the game of baseball we don't have to play the game of baseball. And so to be able to get to play it at that level against those people at that elite level is just amazing to me. And one of the things I look at now as a pitcher at 55, I go, look how far these little guys are hitting ball to the opposite field that's going 400 feet. So part of me is like glad that I get to watch it on TV and not off the mound. But I think I would need a neck brace right now.
2: Jim Morris with us again on This Week in Race Baseball. And, Jim, I'm kind of curious, too, um, about your take on the portrayal of you. Uh, I would imagine more people have seen the movie, no knock, than read the book. That's just the way the, the visual society is today. Were you happy with the way everything was portrayed? And what was most different about what happened in real life versus the way the movie portrayed it?
1: You know, one of the questions I get asked the most as I've spoken across the world is, did the radar gun on the side of the road actually happen? <laughs> and my, my, my answer is, you know what? I taught science. I did all this stuff. I'm science-minded. But it took our screenwriter getting out at a st- sign that I'd seen for two years straight, throwing a ball at it, lighting up, and I'm sitting there going, and I'm a science teacher. That's awesome. I didn't even know you could do that. And they put it in the movie. Dennis Love filming that scene on the side of the road, and it was just a great add-in to let everybody know that I had no idea how hard I threw until I got to the tryout. The movie is really incredibly accurate, 85% accurate, and small things are changed, but that's just to make Texas, Texas. Small-town Texas. You play football on Friday, you go to church on Sunday, and if you can squeeze baseball in somewhere, you do. Now, baseball's gotten bigger over the years, but back then, you know, it was football and church.
2: And probably still is to a point for a lot of people back there, yes?
1: It is to, you know, and if some people around the country found out that there are places in Texas that have $70 million high school football stadiums, I think they would be aghast at the way the m- amount of money is being thrown around for high school football, but baseball's catching up.
2: Were you, um, how much did you converse with Dennis Quaid before, after, and how happy were you that somebody like that, of that ilk, pay, played you? I
1: was ex- Extremely happy that Dennis Quaid got to play me. It was amazing because the first time we met was at Dodger Stadium right after he had signed on to do the movie, and he's standing next to me on the mound and he's following through with everything I'm doing. And I turned around at one point and I go, "What are you doing?" He goes, "The same thing you do." And I said, "I do not do that." And then I started to do something, and sure enough, I did it. And you know what? He's an actor for a reason. But it, it was amazing because. After that, we went to his house in Brentwood, and we're playing catch in his front yard. And a high school teacher from West Texas playing catch in Dennis Quaid's front yard. It was amazing to me. I called my mom right after that from Dennis's front yard, and I said, "Guess where I am?" And my mom goes, "You suck." <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: obviously, you've had some great experiences. You know, since what are you doing now, and how much has what you accomplished and in- uh, what you're able to do at an age where a lot of people don't get that opportunity has kind of led you the, the last several several years i
1: found out there are second chances and it's just going to depend on if you're willing to take that chance put in the work and have the heart to do it and you know what it took it took a group of high school kids to teach me that lesson and when they taught me that lesson and i lived out that dream i have to tell you getting that dream at 35 meant a whole lot more to me than it would have if I was 19, because I knew what was in between 19 and 35 to get to that point.
2: And you now are what, speaking all over the, all over the country, all over the world, to corporations, types of things of that ilk?
1: I do. I speak all over the world. I speak to corporations, um, schools, churches, anything in between associations. And it's just for someone who grew up as a totally introverted person, who everybody thought was kind of, conceded because I never talked. And now I have this platform where I can go out and talk to people everywhere. It's amazing to me to sit back and go, I make a living talking. You have got to be kidding me.
2: (laughs) So is the message mostly about second chances or is the message changed over the years?
1: It has changed over the years, but it's basically the same. You know, baseball was my dream. It's not everybody's dream. But if you can plug yourself into my dream and see what it is that you want, And then go for it. You don't want to wake up one day when, like, you're my age now or a little older and go, what if I would have tried one more time? What would have happened? My kids know without a doubt that I've cheered them on every step of the way and every dream they've had because of what I went through. And it's not, baseball's not their dream, it was mine. And baseball helped me get through childhood because of an abusive father. And baseball gave me that outlet where I could be the kid I was supposed to be, if only for a few hours at a time. Because in between those white lines, everybody was the same, and so baseball for me has always been it.
2: You know, here we are in September, and you know the what would be the message you would give to any player who's still hoping for that chance, who hasn't gotten that first ever call up?
1: Don't take anything for granted, and don't compare yourself to anybody else. You know, I, I look at people and I watch them, watch other people, and they go, "Man, they throw hard." Well, you have great control, man. They're they're. Their swing is so fluid and so quick. You make contact and you hit it the opposite way. Don't give up, don't give in, and don't compare yourself. Be the best you you can be. If you're the best you you can be, there will be no question in your mind that you gave it everything you had, and you're going to see where the chips fall.
2: Pretty good message to send out. Um, Are you working? I know you had one book. Is there a second one you're coming out with, too? Did I read that right?
1: Actually, yes, we are working it out, and we're working on endorsements now. I just got Harold Reynolds to sign on. He's going to endorse it, and I'm working with Dennis it's about writing the foreword and a few other people that had stuff to do with the movie. It's called Dreammakers. It's about past speeches that I've done over the last 20 years, and it incorporates the story of the rookie, the story of Tampa, and everything I went through on that journey, but it also includes things that people don't really know about me unless you've been in the audience lately about – the Journey Through Parkinson's and Chronic Illness. And, you know, I quit with the Dodgers in 2001 during spring training. And the reason I quit, everybody thinks, oh, you just couldn't throw hard anymore. No, I threw hard. My problem was I couldn't judge the ball coming back at me. And so my balance was off. I couldn't even bump the ball. And I thought, I'm a coach, and I can't even put my bat on the ball like I teach kids. you got to be kidding me. But the symptoms of Parkinson's had already started then. And how to overcome it. And the book talks about it. Uh, faith a lot because that's what's gotten me through and my wife through a lot of this.
2: When when did you officially get that diagnosis if I might ask?
1: I got that diagnosis seven years ago but it took us 10 years to get to that point.
2: And I I guess obviously you now can build almost a, a second effort which is I guess awareness of what to look for too, right?
1: Absolutely. There are things and I found out that even Parkinson's everybody associates it when you look at Michael J. Fox and the shaking and everything, but a lot of that is medically induced. The medicine didn't take with me and I had to have a procedure called deep brain stimulation where they put electrodes in my brain and so electricity is my medicine, but I will tell you this, because of my faith and because of the prayer warriors I have around me, I have not had that machine on in over a year and I show no signs. I can smell, I can taste, I don't trip, I have perfect balance, I'm exercising again, And we never know what it is we can overcome until we make up our mind to overcome it.
2: It's an awesome message, and it's awesome to hear that you're doing that well health-wise. Thank you very much. uh, Of the many companies that um, you have reached, that you've touched over the years, are there any speeches, any moments, any conversations that that have stood out um, since uh, your baseball career?
1: Absolutely. I'll give you two examples because I know you're on the radio. Um, One was Space and Family Christian Day. At St. Louis and Bush Stadium, as they were building a new stadium, I still did this in the old stadium. And I can remember being out after the game talking to 25,000 people in a baseball stadium about my journey back to the Big League. And while I'm doing that, I'm looking into the dugout at my girls who were very small at that time, and they're hanging on Albert Pujols like he's a jungle gym. And so I'm, I'm trying to talk and not giggle at the same time. And the next one I did was in San Diego. It was, a, it was a speech with a bunch of scientists who are geneticists. And part of my speech, I talk about my faith. I don't push it on anybody. I just say what's worked for me. But after my speech, these geneticists who I had to sign an NDA, or non-disclosure agreement, to talk to because I couldn't say anything that I had heard that they were talking about, they kept me and I missed my plane because all of them wanted to talk to me about my faith. And I thought it was amazing that a group of scientists who want to see everything put in equation wanted to know what I thought about faith and how it worked for me. And those are my two most memorable speeches.
2: Good stuff. Two other things I wanted to touch on with you. Do you miss teaching is one?
1: I do miss teaching. I just have a lot of people tell me I have a bigger classroom now.
2: And what was it like, because he was such a big part of this organization for nearly two decades before uh, becoming the bench coach or, or one of the coaches now with the, uh, the Twins, what was it like when playing for Bill Evers before you got that call-up?
1: <laughs> it was funny. I'll give you one story. We were in AAA, and we were in extra. It was like the 15th inning. And I would thrown two nights in a row. And he said, go put your spikes on. So I put my spikes on. They already had the food set up in the clubhouse. And so I grabbed a barbecue sandwich on the way back out to the dugout after I put my spikes on. And I walk out, and I'm chewing on this barbecue sandwich. <laughs> and Evers looks at me and goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm hungry. Am I going? He goes, you don't eat in the dugout? And it was just funny because he was trying to say it with a straight face and be terse about it, but he was still giggling at the same time. <laughs> he he was a lot of fun to play for. and. You know a great baseball mind who's getting a great chance right now and i love the fact of being able to sit back and watch all these guys that i was involved with Callaway with the mets and martinez with the nationals and evers with the twins and it's just amazing now that these guys are still in baseball because it's a part of their blood and it's a part of how they grew up and it's a part of what they really really love
2: well in a lot of ways it's obviously what you do too it's just that you're not doing it on the field you're doing it in the game of life and we certainly appreciate all of your time, and wish you continued success. And thanks for being with us on This Week in Rays Baseball.
1: Absolutely, Neil. Best of you and the Tampa Bay Rays.
2: And that is Jim Morris, the rookie, 20 years after his call-up. What a wonderful conversation. And uh, let's pause right now for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network.
0: WTAE St. Petersburg. WBTP HD3 Clearwater. W224BE Brandon. And W237CW Pinellas Park.
2: Coming up, it's Brent Honeywell and his setback and comeback plus more September stories and call-ups. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solans. You know, entering this year, I think many Rays fans were hoping that Brent Honeywell would play a major role for Tampa Bay down the stretch. But unfortunately, a setback from Tommy John surgery prevented that. In late August, I sat down with Brent to discuss the setback, which began in May with a nerve issue. I went... And saw Dr. Andrews about it. We did some things
4: about it. Came back. I was good. Took my two weeks off. Uh, after I made, see, I made the start. I made the start in Fort Myers and felt good. But then after, afterwards, it was after the interview and everything. I noticed that my grip strength kind of went away. I'm like, man, that's strange. Like, I mean, I guess I didn't really notice it when I was healthy. That if it happened afterwards, but I know after sign, after pitching, it was real tough to sign and. This time it was like, kind of like, you don't have any grip strength. So it's kind of, it's kind of weirded me out a little bit. So I, I, I came in the next day, I tried to play catch, because I, mean, I was getting back on a normal schedule. I was almost 15 months out. I was almost ready to go to the crabs or wherever I was going. And took the two weeks off after the nerve entrapment situation. Came back, was feeling great. It was the best I felt yet, um, was playing catch through nine pitches and every one of them were right where I wanted to and I was like dude this is this is how I'm supposed to be this is where I'm at like I'm I'm back I'm I'm back to being Brent Honeywell I'm about to get back to pitching and then all of a sudden on the 10th pitch I just I felt and heard the biggest pop I've probably ever heard real deep like break sounding and I went straight down my brother drove through the night he came down he was so excited he was so excited to see my pen after I felt good because Once I, I had a, I had a, uh, basically like a carpal tunnel injection, and it made me feel like new again, like, I mean, that was the whole issue is what I was, that I was battling was that, and after I had that, immediately once I got off the table, I was, like, I felt normal, right, as soon as I got off the table, and my brother was excited, I was excited, and I was throwing, I got, I, think I, got to my, I got to the 10th pitch, and it just, it popped off. And Dog was there, A.B. was there. There was a lot of people there. A lot of people were excited for me, and I, and I can't thank these guys enough, especially the players that have been with me throughout the whole thing, especially this one. But it was one of the toughest days of my life, it was. What day was it? It was June 8th. June 8th I had surgery, June 10th. And... I went down, and I didn't really know what to do. Uh, I just told Joel I think I broke my arm. And I think, I, I mean, I, had, I was crying. I, mean, I, thought, I thought, I knew for a fact that my season this year was done anyway. And I just didn't know where to go from there, like at that point in time. And once my brother walked over to me and basically kicked me in the tail and was like, look, man, get up. Get up, get cut open a couple days. And go back to work. And I was in the clubhouse, took me, Joel took me to the training room. Brother followed me in the training room. A lot of the guys came in and told me to get better, feel better, and that they were thinking about me. And the hardest, the hardest call was calling my dad, calling my grandparents, calling my mom. Those were, those were the hardest calls. And I just looked at it like, you know, it's another, it's another big league camp. I'm not gonna be f- full go. Like, I don't, I don't I don't, even know, like, what I'm going to be doing this spring training or I don't know what the timetable or if anything is. You know, we haven't even discussed that yet. But it's like my third major league camp, I'm not going to be full go. I'm not going to have a chance to make a team. So it's like,
2: what do I got to do? <laughs> you said the calls were tough. Why were they so tough for uh, you?
4: They were tough because, you know – by the time I did that, I was supposed to be pitching in the big leagues already. I mean, that's just that's just who I am. It's how I am. They were tough because of the 14 months I put in. I did a lot of work in those 14 months, and being here, it's not it's not easy. Joel Smith's a big help to me. Uh, Joel Smith is the main guy that I deal with. And Joel basically said, look, strap it back up and just get back to work. Go in and have the surgery done. We'll be, we'll be ready to go. And then, you know, I got, I'm got. i tired of telling people I'm not going to be able to pitch this year. I'm tired of telling people that. I'm tired of telling people, oh, hey, you know, I'm, I got hurt again. I'm not labeled as injury-prone. I can't be. This is a freak accident. It's like 1-410 or something like that. Something crazy like that. And I'm not injury-prone. I'm a pitcher that throws hard, that has good stuff, that can throw strikes. I'm a, I'm a pitcher. Stuff happens. And the hardest the hardest thing is, I said it last year, it's hard watching them struggle up there because I know I can help them. I'm supposed to be there. Like, that's where I'm supposed to be. And after after this second one, I knew, like, you know, I'm supposed to be in the big leagues. And that's why it was pretty hard. You know, I, I thought I earned my way to the big leagues three years ago. And I and – I didn't I don't think I know I earned my way to the Big Leagues three years ago. I mean I've it's tough. That's the hardest part.
2: What have the what's your last ten weeks been like? I'm sure, what about ten weeks out from eleven weeks out now from
4: Yeah, I'm like eleven weeks out. It's been strange because it's it's different than Tommy John. Tommy John was Tommy John was a lot harder than this one. And I want people to understand that this right here, what just happened happens to younger happens to younger kids and I can pitch with it and I'm going to be fine the main thing is I want people to they got to trust me people got to trust me my teammates got to trust me I mean it all it all happens I man I, you get labeled as a bad elbow I don't have a bad elbow I got a good fastball <laughs> not a bad elbow I got a freak accident that happened but I can pitch with this and I can pitch for a long time with it
2: so what are, what are they letting you do at this point? Because the rehab is different.
4: It is. Um, it's a broken bone, basically. And it's nothing too strenuous. Like, I think by now I would have been, and during Tommy John, I would have been in push-up progression already. You know, I would have been doing, I would have been working out. I would be picking up weight already. And the thing is, like, there's, there's, no, there's no need for right now. I mean, I got six months until the season kicks back. I mean, we're not even done with 2019 yet and i think after i get this off season and once i get the breather like if whatever's going to happen wherever i'm at is it's going to help me out a lot and once i'm gonna be ready to go next year so are you doing mostly what cardio type stuff now cardio stuff i mean for about for about eight weeks i didn't do very much anything i didn't want to like i said i mean there's no need i'm 24 years old I can pick up and run three or four or five miles if I wanted to any given day of the week. I mean, I'm in shape. I don't. It's not like I sit at home and just munch on chips and don't do anything. But I, I like chips, so <laughs> I mean, I, I sit at home. I take my time. I'm, do, I'm doing what I want to do right now. There's nothing for me to get ready for. There's nothing for. I mean, I got four months, five months to get ready to go. And I think once when I start back throwing is the time where. The, Nose to the grindstone.
2: I know how much you love the game. In fact, I know that when you were in the early part of your rehab, you would still go spend time at other games, even if you weren't on your team and they weren't playing for you. Can you do that now, or is that harder to do right now?
4: I could. I went to the Stone Crabs game last night. Um, I've, been a, I've been away from what, I, I, what I've got. What I've really came to to do is figure out who – and what I think is gonna be good for baseball. And I see people that implement that into their game because I've played with them, I've seen it work. So it's, I'm, I'm watching my crash course, right? Like I'm watching it at home. So like, my biggest thing is, is me being a baseball player and loving the game so much, I wanna know everything about it. And I wanna know everything that's humanly possible, know, humanly possible to know about the game. And my eyes won't tell me different. Uh, I've learned a lot by sitting back and watching our big league team this year. I've learned a lot from sitting back and watching the Twins this year. I've learned a lot. I've watched every team in the major leagues this year. I have scouting reports on every team in the major leagues this year because I was ready to come back. I did my own homework. I didn't need anybody else's homework. And when I come back, I know how to get guys out still. And it's like I want to help these guys. These guys are skinning – by the skin in their teeth, they're hanging on. That's baseball. Injuries occur stuff so like that happens, I'm upset because
2: I'm, I'm not there. And that is Brent Honeywell from a sit-down we did in Port Charlotte before the minor league season ended, and we're certainly all hopeful about his comeback going into 2020 and that he will be there next season for his major league debut with the Rays. Now because of all the injuries that Tampa Bay suffered, Honeywell included, there were plenty of opportunities here in the month of September and while it may not quite match a Jim Morris type storyline Cole Sulcer getting to the big leagues was pretty cool. A day after the 29-year-old's debut, I asked Cole to reflect.
5: It was definitely an unreal experience being able to to go out there and actually contribute to a team win uh, felt amazing. Stepping on that mound for the first time, it was definitely something I'll always remember. I tried to take a minute, just kind of look around and you know Take one second for myself and just kinda of absorb the situation. And so that was a great experience for sure. After that, I mean, first inning was pretty happy with the eighth inning there, was able to attack the strike zone, get ahead, and that's for me a lot easier way to success than trying to always battle back into counts. Got to be honest, the second thing I obviously wasn't too happy with, not exactly how I wanted to, to leave it, a messy situation. But luckily Pagan came in, picked me up huge, picked up the team huge, uh, bailed us out of a tough jam there. And, I mean, that's why he's you know earned, earned the role he has and done such a great job here. So it was, it was great to kind of get that first one out of the way. You mentioned soaking it in. What will be your biggest takeaway memory from that experience since you waited a while for it? Oh, I mean, have to say i think just the view from the mound itself like stepping on that mound and being able to kind of look around the stadium for for one second and feel like okay i'm uh, on a major league field contributing to a, a major league organization something i've always felt like i can do but to actually be able to say now I've done it is a, a great experience, a great feeling, for sure. Did you, who was here besides your dad, your brother, and your girlfriend, yes? Um, so my girlfriend actually had to head out of town, but my, uh, so she was here for the first few games. I didn't, didn't get in, but she was watching from home. But uh, my dad and my brother were here, uh, as well as my brother's girlfriend, and then actually a college buddy of mine who uh, actually works for the Blue Jays organization. He was uh, here watching as well
2: just to reflect on the journey that you've been on too and what all of this meant and how 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 meaningful is it based on what you've gone through
5: no i mean to me it's been it's hard to almost put into words it's been something i've dreamed about my entire life and you know i've had confidence that i could get here my family's always supported me with it but you never know what's going to happen i've had some setbacks along the way it's taking a little longer than you know you first anticipate Uh, so to be able to continue to go through those steps move up through the levels go through those setbacks and come back from it and continue to play on the field and then get an opportunity at a place like the Rays here their contending team going for you know a playoff position to come in and be able to play and get an opportunity with a winning team like that is a unreal experience I mean I couldn't really ask for more at all and for me I feel like the the longer road and journey has kind of definitely made it mean more to me you know it wasn't something that i was was able to get too easily and so all that time and and everything is feels good to have it pay off and get get a chance out there and lastly of the moments
2: you know you obviously had a lot of hurdles were there moments where you consider hey maybe
5: it's time to go and and if so what pushed you to keep going yeah I mean it'm not gonna lie of course it crossed my mind uh, a couple you know arm surgeries that sort of thing when you're sitting there rehabbing for a year straight before you're being able to get back into the game like it, it crosses your mind especially when you're in the minor leagues and I have my education finished so it's like okay do I is this a sign for me to hang it up and go find something else for for work but ultimately I, I definitely have a passion for this game and I do love it and even though those setbacks, they were a bummer, they kind of were also a way for me to reflect like, okay, how much do I really want this game? Is, and for me, the, all that time, is, it was 100% worth it to put in the time to rehab, to put in the time to get healthy. And so I always wanted to continue to chase that dream. And ultimately for me, it kind of came down to something me and my dad kind of always talked about it and kind of would say it in a joking way but he'd say you know when you're 55 you can still have time to be an engineer you're not going to be able to play baseball when you're 55 so if you're going to do it take your opportunity now try to play for as much as you can or how far you can go and see what happens and so that was always nice to be very encouraged by my my parents my brother my sister my girlfriend and all of them and so that made it easier to keep pushing through those things and ultimately it was a great turnout.
2: Well, that's Cole Sulser in his Major League debut as he battled back from two Tommy John surgeries and made his Major League debut at the age of 29. Now, that first opportunity came a day after that of Kian Wong and a day before Wong's first Major League hit. And now that day, he
6: had a pinch-hit single for a first hit, and I asked Kian how many messages he received. Oh, man, uh, I checked my phone. It was 99 uh, requests and about 100 and five in my inbox i had to go all through it this morning and last night and you know just text everyone back from hawaii let them know you know i'm appreciative and you know just happy happy it happened
2: were there any that stuck out any that surprised you or anything
6: that were really touching um no you know i knew i knew a lot of people were going to hit me up you know i had a i have a lot of uh good friends um in hawaii a lot of family in hawaii so for them to hit, uh, reach out to me and tell me congrats—it's a big thing for me. Did you have a nice moment with your dad afterwards, and did you get him the ball? Uh, yeah, we had a nice moment. We went out to dinner. Uh, we talked about it. You know, this is what I—you know dreamed of since I was a little kid, and for it to happen last night in front of him, it was awesome. And um, no, I haven't had the ball yet. They're putting it in like a frame with a picture and the lineup card. So they said it would take about two weeks. So it'd be awesome.
2: What did that moment mean to you when it happened, and what was going through your mind during that event? Uh, going through
6: my mind, I just wanted to get on base. You know, I know we we're down one, and I was like, hey, any way to get on base, if it's a walk, if it's a hit, I try to bunt. I was like, that's part of my game. I'm going to do it. So um, just get that hand in front of my dad. Like I said, it was a dream come true, and, you know, I, it was his dream, too, so it was awesome. And Rowdy was good to you over at first base, I guess? Yeah, Rowdy was awesome. Uh, he told me congrats. He gave me a big smile, and, you know, because I played with him uh, throughout the minor leagues, and he saw what i've been doing in the minor leagues and you know he was happy for me
2: did it especially mean more because it came in a win i know how much you have valued winning coming through the race system
6: yeah you know i feel like baseball is all about winning you know i'm here to help the team win as much as possible if that's for pitch hitting in that kind of situations or coming in for defense or pitch running you know i'm going to do whatever it takes to help this team win because i know what they're going for and you know like i said i'm just here to help
2: what did Brady mean to you this year, too?
6: Because obviously, you had
2: you know you had good years with Jared, and you had a good year with Durham This year, your best year.
6: Yeah, um, you know Brady's been there since day one. You know he's been talking to me and through the ups and downs, and you know I consider him like a second dad to me. He took me under his wing, and he showed me the way, and you know he made me the player I am today. Good stuff from Keon Wong. He now has three hits in the major leagues,
2: and he battled through all that after seven seasons in the minors where he played in more than 700 games to get that opportunity. Now, for Kean Wong, his story and that of Cole Sulcer really are what makes September call-ups special. Now, Austin Pruitt, he was up before September call-ups, but really his start to begin the Cleveland series on that last homestand arguably got a 9-1 run going at Tropicana Field started.
0: Uh, it's pretty cool, yeah, to kind of to help the team kind of <laughs> maybe move into the right direction is, is always a positive and a, and a good feeling. You've contributed in a couple of starts here. What does it mean to get the chance to start again um, and have more of a regular schedule? Yeah, no, it, it man, it means a lot. It means everything. Uh, yeah, it's kind of nice to kind of get the chance to get the. I'm not that I haven't had opportunities before, but uh, but yeah, no, it's always nice. It did just kind of helps helps you prepare for for the next next time you go out there. I remember when you came up with
2: the group in '17, and you had that big start in Houston in front of your family. Where does
0: kind of what you're doing now in a playoff race rank in terms of your moments? Yeah, I was going to say the the one in Houston kind of takes the cake. That was that was pretty cool, but uh, but not not to say that this can't you know overpass that. But uh, yeah, I mean we we got some pretty big games coming up, and it's kind of exciting to be part of. What has allowed you to stay um, to do as well as you have? And
2: how much is it meant to not have to worry about anything now? Because, you know, you were here for a day at a time, two days at a time, and then, you know, in out. That's not easy mentally. Right. No, it, yeah,
0: it just kind of get a little bit more comfortable knowing, you know, whenever you come back to your chair after you throw that you don't have to be looking over your shoulder wondering if you're going to get the tap. Um, but, no, just really just as far as, uh, as, far as preparing for the next one, it, it just makes you a little more comfortable and makes you a little more prepared for, for the next uh, team that you see.
2: And I think I talked with you about this in the spring, um, as you became a dad, has this all been kind of motivation and how much has it helped too
0: um, in kind of handling everything, you know, with the worry, you know, the up, down, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it has been a little bit of, it has been motivation. Um, I mean, I, I did, I don't think that I needed any more motivation to kind of stay in this game and to keep playing, but, uh, yeah, she, she definitely has, has given me a little bit more, um. Yeah, as far as going up and down, you know, I didn't get to see him as much as I would like to just because I was never in the same spot for, you know, more than a week or two or something like that. So they, for the most part, they stayed home. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it, it's been incredible having having her, 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 you know, my little my little girl and my wife. And it's been, it's been great.
2: And physically, is there any tweak that you've made this year with your stuff? I know the last couple of outings you've looked especially sharp with your slider.
0: Um, not really. You know, I just kind of you kind of feel things out. You're kind of looking for things, something that feels comfortable. And then, you know, at some point you finally kind of find something that works and it's repeatable and you can kind of do it over and over again, which is, you know, which is huge. And, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say, I, I think I just found something that I'm able to kind of repeat and I don't know, keep doing it over again. I don't, I don't know.
2: And that's Austin Pruitt. Well, whatever it was, Pruitt allowed just one run in two starts at the last home stand, covering 10 and a third innings. That one run came on a Beau Bichette homer and, On this road trip so far, three and a third scoreless. And special thanks to Austin and all the guests on the show today, including Brendan McKay, as well as the rookie Jim Morris, Brent Honeywell, addressing his rehab situation, and also September call-ups like Cole Sulcer and Kian Wong. And with the season continuing for Sulcer, Wong, and McKay, I do want to congratulate the Rays minor league players, coaches, and staff as all of their seasons came to an end. Five teams ended up making the postseason while there were no championships The organization had the best winning percentage among all major league organizations. So kudos on that end, because it certainly is a team effort. If you ever have something you do want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solon's. Next week, we'll hear from Mike Brasso and a whole lot more, including some Rays players that are going to the Arizona Fall League. For my producer, Derek DuBose, Neil Solon saying stay tuned. The pregame show is next. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.